I think I've got a pretty good idea of what's going on through your mind at the moment. You're praying and you're hoping that the preacher will have a sweet and short sermon. Amen to that, huh? Well, I can tell you that that is a very sinful thought and you shouldn't entertain it. Uh, I don't think you should entertain such a thought. I, um, I started praying uh, a while ago for the first sermon of the year. It's quite a privilege to be and uh, I went through a whole transition. All I can say is this, in the beginning, God. I did not pray this week for a short sermon. All I prayed was for a sweet breeze to come through our church to keep us alive. And may you pray for the grace to endure the journey. I just hope uh, you'll survive and you'll still be with me at the end. One of the most known stories in the Adventist world is that of Desmond Doss. Uh, he is known as the most courageous medical person that served in, uh, especially in Okinawa and Guam in 1945. And one of the famous statements he's known for is, please, Lord, help me get one more. And uh, if you, if some of you might be familiar with the, the movie Hacksaw Ridge that really portrayed his life. And I was happy to see that that statement was part of the movie. And if you listen to interviews made with the actor, he said it would have been uh, completely impossible for a person with his uh, physical ability to really save 75 people in that particular time in, in the war in Okinawa 1945. In one day, I guess, was night as well. Uh, but before that day happened, before he ended up praying, Lord, help me to get one more. Before he actually saved those 75 people that day, there's something amazing. It was actually a Sabbath morning when they attacked Hacksaw Ridge. It was a Sabbath morning, and uh, we know that Captain Vernon went to Desmond Doss, and Captain said to him, Des, the men would like to have you with them, and so would I. You see, Desmond uh, had created a, a bit of a, uh, a culture around him that he would leave no one behind him. And people said, we're not ready to go to war unless Des, or Desmond, is coming with us. So the captain goes to him and says, we want to go, but we don't want to do it without you. Do you know what Desmond Doss replied? I mean, what would you reply when you're a soldier and the captain tells you, you need to come with us? What would you reply to your captain when you are in army in a foreign land attacking? I just love what he said. I'll go, captain, but I'd like to finish my Sabbath school lesson first. What do you think of such an answer? He was busy that morning on a Sabbath morning studying his Bible lesson and Bible study and said, yes, I'm ready for war, but let me just finish. And I'm not sure if Desmond Doss was fully aware of what he was doing, but by making that request, he was holding up a war. And you know what's more interesting? The captain granted him the request. So as you can see in this picture from the movie, you've got the captain, you've got the soldiers, all of them waiting for Des to finish his Bible study. In the movie, you actually see he's reading his pocket Bible. And of course, Desmond finished his Bible study with a prayer. And then he said, now I'm ready. And he was ready because that day he saved 75 precious souls. Now, what's, what's amazing about this story? The way I'd like to summarize Desmond's Doss life is this. For him, it was this, in the beginning, God. 
It didn't matter where he was. For him, every day began with who? With God. Every day began with God. Des was not ready to face the war without first being in the presence of God. For Desmond, his relationship with God was the most important aspect of him being alive. And I'd like to imagine that many of you present here today know what I'm talking about. Because for you, the most amazing experience is actually to be in the presence of God. Nothing can compare with that. Desmond wasn't ready. He knew he needed faith. He knew he needed courage. He knew he needed protection and, and strength to do things beyond himself. And he knew that he could get all of these things from God alone. And he also knew that that could have been his last day on earth. And he said, I'd like to begin it with God. And I think that's a beautiful challenge for us as we look at 2019. Because we want to begin every day with God. If you open your Bibles in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, what does it say? In the beginning, God. Isn't that amazing that the most sold and popular book in the world begins with these four words? In the beginning, God. You see, God is the one that makes the beginning begin. He is beyond time. He lives outside time. And yet he steps within our time to make our lives relevant. What it entails here is that God is the one that begins everything in our lives. And if you go through the story of creation in Genesis chapter 1, I find fascinating to see that God actually spoke and it happened. He spoke and it happened, which means that his word has the ability to create life, to make a new beginning, to regenerate, and to give purpose to something. His word is the one that creates things. And I want to take you to this passage. I've got it on the screen for you in Isaiah 55, verse 11. And it says this, it is the same with my word. This is God speaking to you and to me today at the beginning of 2019. And he says, I send it out. God says, I send my word out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. What I see here is the longing heart of our heavenly father to be with you, to be with me. We know that God had the power to create things out of nothing, but God actually wants to speak things into your life. He wants to speak direction. He wants to speak hope. He wants to speak purpose. He wants to speak forgiveness. He wants to speak assurance. He wants to speak His love into your life. I send it out and it always produces fruit, God says. But I guess the only question that comes down to is, do I personally let God be first in my life? In the beginning, God, is that true for me as well? I've come across this passage from a book of education, and it says this, many, even in their seasons of devotion, fail of receiving the blessing of real communion with God. Why? They are in too great haste. What is she writing is that we have learned to live so, uh, so many 
Now, you have, we have come to, to live busy lives. We are on this treadmill that we no longer have the discipline, the willingness, the desire to actually stop ourselves and just be with God. We are in too great haste. With her steps, they press through the circle of Christ's loving presence, so the intention is good. There is a desire to be with God, but we are rushing through that. Pausing perhaps for a moment within the sacred precincts, but not waiting for counsel. They have no time to remain with the divine teacher. With their burdens, they return to their work. The thing that really struck me here is that sometimes we are seeking counsel, we are seeking strength, we are seeking discernment to know what to do with our lives. And because we are rushing through God's presence, it says we are going back to our work with our burdens still on us. God is there willing to, to take those burdens away from you, whatever those burdens may be. He wants to lift them up from you. That's why in John 15, 15, 15, verse 4, it says, Abide in me and I in you. He just wants us to learn to abide in him, to be with him. Just think of Des, Desmond Doss. He didn't want to go to war until he connected with God first. And on a daily basis, you and I are facing a war. We are fighting various things. One of the most significant attacks Satan can make on you, listen to this, one of the most significant attacks Satan can make on you is to stop you from spending time with God in His Word. Why? Because he knows that God's Word speaks life into your heart. And one of the most significant attacks he'll bring on you is to separate you from the Word of God. That probably you will listen something on the radio, probably you'll connect to God on church on Sabbath, or something like that. In a, in a recent book that was published by uh, uh, one of our Australian ladies, Nina Atchison, outstanding book. I highly encourage you to, to purchase it, or you can borrow it from me. Uh, she comes up with a number of things. She says, these are some of the excuses some of the people use. I'm too busy right now. How can I possibly find time to read the Bible? Have you ever used that excuse in your own heart? Life is too full. I'm always tired. When I open the Bible, I just doze off. I'm just not a reader, and this is such a common one, especially for the new generation. I'm just not a reader. The Bible is out of date and irrelevant. It doesn't have anything meaningful to say about what I'm going through right now. Mm, wrong. What I find interesting is that we are complaining that life is so miserable and yet we fail to be with the one who is the fountain of life, who is the source of strength, who is the source of peace, who is the source of comfort, who is the source of direction. Well, now we've got parents here. Do you want to be a better parent? I believe the Bible teaches us how to be a better parent. I know we've got couples here. Do you want to be a better husband, a better wife? I believe the Bible teaches us what it means to love one another. We've got single people here. I believe the Bible teaches us that Christ is our constant companion through the Holy Spirit. I know we've got students here. You're struggling with fees, you're struggling with direction. God is the one that said, I've got a plan for you. I want to reveal that plan for you. 
And the list can go on and on. God says, I've got my word and I'll send it out and it will produce fruit. The question is, do we have or do we take the time to really connect with God and allow Him to pour Himself into our lives? I was a bit uh, intrigued by this statement made in the great controversy where Ellen White wrote this, Satan well knows that all whom he can lead to neglect what? Two things. What are these two things? Prayer and the studying of the scriptures will be overcome by what? His attacks. Therefore, now I tell you what, Satan is an inventor. He's very creative. Therefore, he invents every possible device. Device, you know, that's a 21st century thing. Device, device, mobiles, iPads, games, can you get it? Uh, he invents every possible device to engross the mind. In other words, he will study you as an indiv individual, he will study you as a family, and he will create something that will distract you or your family from truly abiding in God's presence. Because he knows that the Word of God reveals his deceptions. He knows that the Word of God will set you free from the addiction, addictions that he brings into your life. He knows that the Word of God will help you understand that you can be forgiven and have a new life through Jesus Christ only if you would read and understand these promises. So he creates devices so you don't have the time to connect with God in a meaningful way. The reason why it's hard to make time and commit to, to God is because Satan is trying to stop us. And I tell you what, it is natural for me to rebel against God. That's my nature. That's my sinful nature. And God is not expecting me to, to sort it out by myself. But rather, He wants me to rely upon Him. Now listen to this idea. By keeping us from the Bible, Satan also affects the relationship with those around us. So not only our relationship with God is being affected, but also the relationship with those around us. Our marriages become strained. We end up screaming at our kids. We no longer have patience with family members. We no longer have patience with the church members. We are negative in our talk, and we become critical of everything. When we choose to become too busy for God. Look at this one. You will show me the path of life, and in your presence is fullness of... Isn't that an amazing verse? In God's presence is what? Fullness of joy. Over New Year's Eve celebration in Sydney with the fireworks, there was a report that police arrested 155 people that had drugs on them. And one of the reasons why they had drugs is because they were seeking pleasure, they were seeking joy, they were seeking a higher state. We were meant to experience pleasure and we were meant to experience joy. And God is saying, in His presence is fullness. I mean, you can't get any more than that. It's fullness of joy. And at God's right hand are pleasures forevermore. They just don't end. They go on, on and on and on. Where? God's right hand. And initially, from my sinful mind, that's not like, it's not appealing. 
That's why I believe we just need to come at a point where we understand God. I just don't have a hunger for the Bible. I'm not a reader. I can't get myself to do this stuff. I sort of understand it's important. Lord, if you really want me to, just give me a desire. It has to come from God. It cannot be your effort or your work. Someone made this uh, comparison with uh, Bibles and mobile phones. What if we began to treat our Bibles the way we treat our mobile phones, our cell phones? What if we carried it with us everywhere? What if we turned back to get it if we forgot it? Checked it for a message throughout the day, used it in case of an emergency, spent an hour or more using it each day. Wouldn't that be amazing? Or at least a good start, something to, uh, to carry on. So how can we solve this problem? How can we create a desire? What is the work that God wants to do in us? I want you to grab your Bibles and come with me to Jeremiah 24, 7. Jeremiah 24, 7 is a beautiful promise. God is actually speaking to a nation that has been very rebellious. And I think we can, um, um, I guess, um, understand that aspect. In uh, Jeremiah 24, 7, God promises something beautiful to his children. And this is what he says, I will give them a heart to know me. What is God's desire? To be known by us. Now, who's doing the giving of the new heart? God. He is giving us. If we want, if we want that heart, he will give it to you and to me in 2019. If you want a heart that will know God, he's willing to to give it to you. I will give them a heart to know me that I am the Lord and they shall be my people and I will be their God and they shall return to me with the whole heart. God's dream for 2019 is for you to know him. God has a resolution for 2019 that you may take the time to know him. Because the Bible says, in the beginning, God. And I just want to assure you of the promises that we have in the Bible. In Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. In other words, he creates the desire to be on his, you know, on, on his side. And then he does the work for you to be on his side. That's why it's called salvation by grace. All God is requesting is for permission, for us to really submit our lives to Him. Just before we, we close this morning, don't get too excited, I'm nearly there. This is one of the verses that I just fell in love with. And I'm going to expl explain you. It says in Zephaniah 3, 7, I mean, when was the last time you read Zephaniah? or heard a sermon from Zephaniah. It's one of those books in the Old Testament. Zephaniah 3.17 says this, The Lord your God is in your midst, the mighty one will save. So far, so good. It's, it's a great promise, isn't it? He's in our midst. He promised that he will save us. But look what it says about God's relation to you. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. We know 
that the angels sing, right? Angels, we have heard of. You know the song? We know that angels sing. We know that humans sing, you and I sing, some better than others. But did you know that God sings? Did you know that God sings? And the reason why he sings is you. You make God sing. He sings over you. You bring so much joy. You bring so much satisfaction. I mean, it was beautiful to hear Lauren singing that beautiful song to her child. Just imagine God singing over us as a church. But I like also the idea that it says he will quiet you with his love. What does it mean? Sometimes voices attack us in our minds. Voices attack us. Voices of fear, voices of insecurity, voices of condemnation. The mean things that people say to us. But the Lord says, don't listen to these voices. I will quiet you with my love. It's like this blanket that he pours over you. And he says, I'm going to quiet you with my love. And I'm going to sing over you. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he desires to spend time with you. And God's resolution for 2019 is for him to be known by you. And I believe, in, like in every other relationship, we need to be intentional if we want to make some changes. We need to be intentional. And this is not about works. This is about submitting and being intentional. Because I personally believe that we always make time for the things we want. Would you agree with that? We always make time for the things we want. And if you really want to know God in 2019, let's plan. Because failing to plan is what? Did I get it wrong? Planning to fail is failing to plan. And failing to plan is planning to fail. I want to take you through a couple of steps that might give you an idea of what we need to do in order to maybe connect with God and getting to know Him. Choose a time. Because if you do not choose a time, guess what? It's not going to happen. Do you just go to work whenever? We've got a time. If you really want to know God in 2019, choose a time. This may include adjusting your life a bit. This may include a decision to go to bed early so you can wake up early. Whatever. But choose a time. Choose a space that you want to be with God and not disturb. Turn your mobile phone on flight mode if it's possible so you're not disturbed by any other things. And choose a Bible reading plan. Something that helps you. For the very first time this year, my wife and I, we, we embarking on a, on, a, on, a, on a plan that takes you through the whole Bible and spirit of prophecy, explaining what we're reading. And it just helps you to be accountable. And I've got multiple plans that I'm happy to either print or email to you if you either want to call the office or, or contact me. Plans for the young and for not so young that will just help you go through the Bible and read through some of the spirit of prophecy books, expanding on some of these teachings and understanding. You see, reading the Bible is not so much about accumulating information, but rather is about transformation. You know, those people that ended up as Pharisees, 
by the age of 10, they knew the, very, they knew the first five books of Moses by heart. By the age of 10, they knew the, fir the first five books of Moses by heart. By the age of 14, they knew nearly the Old Testament by heart. But when they got to see the Son of God face to face, they failed to recognize Him. Because they got to a point where Scripture was about information and not transformation. We can know prophecies and we can have understanding about various years in, in world's history. We can have understanding about various beasts in Daniel and Revelation. But what Christ is looking is looking for a new heart. And Bible is not just about, I know more now, but it's rather more, I am more like Christ now. Spend time in prayer before and after. Take a thing away. Like, what am I going to implement in my life today, God? What is it that you want me to really experience as a result of the study that I had this morning? And if it's you, you may even want to consider writing a journal. We all do things differently. And especially remember, when, when things don't go according to plan, when everything falls apart, remember, God is the one that quiets you with his love. He puts that blanket over you and he sings over you. Because he wants you to spend eternity with him in heaven. But on the other side, you need to be alert and you need to be aware that life on earth is not a walk on the, in the park or a walk on the beach. The devil is there to, de to invent devices that will distract you from the word of God. And this is my prayer that as we begin this new year, we will have a new beginning with God. And he will be in the beginning of every single day of mine. I want to leave you with this powerful verse. Psalm 27, 8. New Living Translation. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. This is God's appeal to you in 2019. These are not my words. These are His words. This is what God is uttering to you and me. Come and talk with me. And I pray that in 2019, we will answer just like the psalmist. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. Amen.